Well, if you have your Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of John in chapter 6. Gospel of John in chapter 6. John wrote this Gospel uh, for the purpose of showing us who Jesus is. Who He is, so that we might believe in Him. As we've continued with our study of the Gospel of John, I've been reminding you, and I will keep reminding you, of John's purpose so that you might keep it in mind as you think about what we're seeing here in the text of of the Gospel of John. We're in chapter 6 this morning. But in chapter 20 and verse 31, the Apostle John writes this about why he wrote this Gospel. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. So John wants us to see from the evidence presented that Jesus is the Christ so that you might believe in Him. And not just believe, but you gain something. You gain life. You have life in His name. That is a gift from God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through faith in Him and in Him alone. And as we... Uh, we return to chapter 6 this morning, we're going to see this again. John is giving us the evidence for who Jesus is and why we ought to believe in Him. And as we saw last week, Jesus was interacting with the crowds, uh, those people who came and, remember, He fed, the the Scriptures say He fed the 5,000. Bible scholars uh, think that it says 5,000 men, so there's probably... It could have been 15,000 people there when you think about the women and children who were also there. Maybe 20,000. So a huge crowd. And he feeds them with a five loaf and the two small fish. And this was an extraordinary miracle. Uh, one that should have captured their attention. Um, but they come looking for Jesus the next day. And we began uh, looking at their interaction with Jesus last week. So by way of refresher and for the sake of the context, let's read Beginning at verse 25, look at your copy of God's Word. Follow along as I read John 6, beginning in verse 25. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Uh, when, they found, uh, when they found Him, verse 25, when they found Him on the other side of the sea, they said to Him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, Not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on Him God the Father has set His seal. Then they said to Him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? In verse 29, Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He has sent. Now, let's continue on with verses 30 through 33. And these are going to be the verses that we focus on today. Verse 30. So they said to Him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, 
But my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. So Jesus is speaking here uh, with the same people who came looking for him after the miracle that they witnessed when he fed the huge crowd. And what we've seen so far is that these people, a couple of weeks ago we noted this, that, he's, uh, that these people had misplaced affections. We saw it in verses 22 through 27. They had a faulty belief. We thought, thought about that last week, verses 28 through 29. In verse 27, as we just read, we heard Jesus expose their misplaced affections when he told them not to labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. And then in verses 28 and 29, we see their faulty belief. It was the belief that they could do some work. We heard them ask that. What must we do to be doing the works of God? God's, uh, they think, they're thinking they, we, we must do something to earn God's approval. And Jesus challenged that faulty belief saying to them in verse 29, this is the work of God that you believe in Him. You think you need to do some work? I'm telling you, you need to believe in Me, is what Jesus was saying. Believe in Him whom He sent. God sent God the Son, Jesus Christ. There's nothing. Here's the truth that we need to grapple with and they needed to grasp. There's nothing you need to do to earn God's approval. You have God's approval when you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you only have it because He's looking to His sinless Son who paid the price for your sin on the cross. And so there's nothing you need to do to earn God's approval. What you must do, and Jesus said it to them, what you must do is believe in His Son, Jesus Christ. Believe and have life. Believe and live. Because Jesus gives eternal life, says verse 27. But now we come to verses 30 through 33, and we find that these people also have not only misplaced affections, not only faulty beliefs, but unrealistic demands. These people are coming to him and saying, "Uh, you've got to prove yourself. If we're going to believe in you, you need to prove to us that, that we can believe in you. And Jesus had just told them what God expected of them. Believe. And sometimes we would think, well, why can't they just believe? God the Father expects you to believe in God the Son. Just believe. And in response, they don't believe. They They say something like, no, no, wait, but if we're going to believe in you, you've got to show us some sign. Look again at verse 30. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Are you puzzled, as I am, that these were the same people who ate, ate the bread and the fish that were multiplied and the leftovers were gathered up? I, I'm puzzled sometimes. How, do they, how does one day... <laughs> How does one day removed uh, keep them from remembering the miracle that they saw Jesus perform as he, as he had the disciples pass 
the loaves and the fish. And there was all they could eat. It says that they, the, the Scriptures tell us here that they had more than enough. This is an unrealistic demand that they have. You need to show us some sign. What sign are you going to show us so that we can believe in you? What sign do you do so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? That's an unrealistic demand because they think Jesus should earn their allegiance. You need to earn our faith, is what they're telling him. But did they really need more proof? Wasn't the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 plus, that huge crowd with those five small loaves and two fish, proof enough? You would have thought that it would be. It should have been. The problem is that the unbelieving heart is never satisfied. The unbelieving heart is never satisfied. Luke 16, verse 31 tells us that when it says, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Who could think of anything more miraculous than that? Someone rising from the dead. Well, Jesus would. And you and I know that, as the Scriptures tell us, Jesus did rise from the dead. But get this, the people who mocked Jesus as he hung on the cross, when he did rise from the dead in three days, they still didn't believe. They mocked him, and still in three days he rose from the dead, proving them wrong, and yet they still didn't believe. Instead, they tried to cover up the truth that Jesus had risen from the dead on the third day. I think that points to another problem these people have who've come looking for Jesus after he fed them in miraculous fashion. That points to another problem these people have and all other unbelievers also have until God opens their eyes to see who Jesus is so that they believe in him, so that they come to faith in Christ. We hear it in Romans 1. Just listen to these verses from uh, chapter 1 of Romans, verses 19 through 22. For what can be known about God is plain to them. Because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. In the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. You see, for the unbeliever, there will never be enough evidence until God opens their spiritual eyes to see clearly who Jesus is and believe in Him, until God draws them to Himself. There'll never be enough evidence. And so back in John 6, the people here ask Jesus, how are you going to prove yourself to us? Prove yourself. 
Show us some sign. What sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? This points back to their faulty beliefs that Jesus uncovered and challenged earlier. Why did they think that Jesus must perform some sign for them? Verse 31 shows what they were thinking. Look at verse 31 again. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, they say, as it is written. And here they are quoting Old Testament Scripture. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. They're still thinking about their stomachs. They're still thinking about not just their stomachs, but their material needs, their here and now needs, their earthly needs. Jesus had already made it clear that their most pressing need actually wasn't food that perishes. They weren't to knock themselves out, spending all their toil and energy pursuing the things that perish. What they really needed was the food that endures to eternal life, which Jesus would give to them if they would believe in Him. The trouble is, uh, they think the signs, the, the miracles that Jesus performed are for their own physical and material benefit. They ate the bread, they ate the fish, and they thought, well, more of that, please. Show us more signs for our own personal benefit. But are the signs, are the miracles that Jesus performed ultimately for their physical benefit? Were were those intended ultimately for their physical benefit? No, they were not. No, those signs couldn't have been for their physical benefit primarily, The signs, the miracles, were actually to serve, to point them to faith in Jesus Christ. That's why I say they should have believed in Him when they saw how He fed them from those such a meager meal that little boy gave up and shared, and and, uh, yet he got plenty, and so did they. If they would believe in Jesus, they'd be forgiven their sins. And they would be given eternal life if they believed. Those signs were to point them to Jesus and to faith in Him. And again, as I noted at the beginning, that's just what John says. Again, I'll take you to chapter 20. This time I'll read verse 30 also, verses 30 and 31. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing you may have life in His name. The problem uh, was that these people were thinking about the manna. They point to it. They knew of the manna from the Old Testament Scriptures. And they were only thinking about the here and now. Their here and now. Their, uh, their own physical needs. They were not thinking about their spiritual needs. They were not thinking about their eternal destiny. They're still thinking about the bread, and they wanted Jesus to give them an endless supply of it. You, you see it here in the text when they say, well, give us this bread always. Give us an endless supply of, supply of food. Now, that would be something. Unfortunately, and think about why they thought this, and we talked about this this morning, in fact, if you were in the Sunday school hour, 
when we were talking about being on guard against false teachers. And the best way to do that is to know the truth. You don't need to, uh, to, to take someone you think is a false teacher and try to tear down their, their beliefs, but you need to know the truth yourself. You need to know God's Word. When you see falsehood, you'll recognize it because it doesn't agree with God's Word. And what was happening was these people were being, th- being taught things that were not biblical, were not true. Unfortunately, they had been given false teaching. They had false beliefs. It was commonly taught by their Jewish religious leaders that the Messiah, when he came, would give them an unending supply of food from heaven. Like what they thought Moses had done for 40 years when the nation of Israel had wandered in the wilderness. But they misunderstood even what they claimed to understand from the Old Testament. From those Old Testament fathers who taught, they misunderstood. They did not understand. They had been mistaught. The manna was not given by Moses. He was only God's messenger. Moses was a messenger of God. The manna was given by God. They should have understood that. They should have believed. And that's why Jesus challenges their unrealistic demands in verse 32. Look at verse 32 again. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly. I've noted it before. The the idea here is pay attention. Stop. Listen. Pay attention. This is important. Truly, truly. I say to you, It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Jesus gives a direct challenge to their unrealistic demands. You think that Moses gave your father's bread from heaven? It was not Moses. It was my Father. It was God the Father in heaven. And by the way, that manna, That was nothing in comparison to the true bread from heaven my Father gives. That was nothing. You need the true bread that gives life. They were still thinking of bread to eat with their mouths. In fact, they were like the woman at the well when Jesus was speaking to her about the the living water that wells up to eternal life. She was still thinking of water to drink while she's standing there looking at the well. These people seem to know something of the Old Testament Scriptures, but they totally missed the point. The manna wasn't about Moses. The manna was about God and how He provides eternal life to all who put their faith in Him. It was about God's ultimate provision being through His Son. It was about how God would ultimately provide eternal life for all who believe through Jesus Christ, the true bread. Look at verse 33 again. That's what Jesus says here. For the bread of God is He, Jesus, who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Why did Jesus come down from heaven? To perform miracles? To benefit people's earthly needs, he did that, but that's not why he came. Jesus didn't come to gain our approval by some signs. 
by some miracles. Jesus came to give life to all who will believe in Him. And today, Jesus doesn't need to do more signs for you or me. He's already done all He's needed to do. He gave Himself. He's the perfect and only acceptable and sinless sacrifice for sinners. Jesus Christ has already done all He needs to do. And so back to the people here in John 6, Jesus rejects their claim that if they, as they asked Him, if, if He would just do something more, then they'll believe in Him. He rejects that. Jesus says to the people that day, and by John the Apostle recording it for us here, He says to people in this day, you don't need more signs. What you need is to have faith. What you need is to believe. You can't do anything to earn God's approval. Only believe in the bread of God. Believe in the one who came from heaven, whom God sent from heaven and gives life to the world. Believe in Jesus. Are you hearing God's word today? Are you hearing from God's word today that, that you, knew, you don't need to do anything to gain God's approval? I think for some believers, we can get so trapped into thinking that God, to stay, to stay in God's good graces, I need to be an obedient believer. And, I, and here's my list of things that I'm going to do to make sure that I'm going to be approved by God. And what we need to hear is that by God's grace, He doesn't look to any works that we perform to approve of us. He looks at His sinless Son who gave Himself and died on the cross for sinners. If you're hearing God's Word today, I hope you're hearing and understanding that you don't need to do anything to gain God's approval. You don't need to do anything before you've trusted in Christ. If you're an unbeliever today, you don't need to do anything or change anything about your life right now to put your faith in Jesus. You just simply need to believe in Him. I happen to believe that if you'll believe in Him, He won't leave you unchanged. (laughs) He won't leave you the way you are. You don't need to do anything before you're saved, and you don't need to do anything after you're saved to be approved by God. Hear that, believers. You don't need to do anything after you're saved to have God's approval. You have it in Jesus Christ who has finished the work of paying for your sin. He has forgiven your sins and He is keeping you for all eternity. You're not keeping yourself. He's keeping you. What God does require of you is that you believe. That's the truth of the verse that's so familiar to us, John 3.16, isn't it? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes. It's the same thing Paul and Silas told the Philippian jailer when he asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, they didn't say do something, they said believe. Acts 16.31, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. If you're, if you're 
household puts their faith in Jesus, if they believe, they too will be saved. Anyone who believes in Jesus will be saved. And we'll hear this soon when we get to verse 35 here in John 6, when Jesus will say, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Aren't those amazing words? Aren't those wonderful words? Whoever comes to me, what is it to come to Jesus? It's believing in Jesus. Again, it's not doing anything. It's believing in Jesus. It's not performing a good work. It's believing in Jesus. Maybe maybe you need to come to Jesus today. Maybe you need to believe in Jesus today. Hear the Word of God. Hear God's Word here in John 6 that you need only believe in Him to be forgiven your sins and be saved. In fact, if you want to talk to someone about that, I'd be happy to speak with you about that. It'd be a joy to talk to you about your need for Christ. But you don't even need to wait to talk to someone because God is listening And right where you are in this moment, you can humble yourself before God in a silent prayer from your heart and repent of your sin and believe in Jesus and you'll be saved. That's God's promise. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're a believer in Jesus already, let the Word of God remind you today that you don't need to do anything for God's approval. If you've come to Jesus believing in Him, then He has saved you. And He is keeping you by His grace. And we could all say, when someone asks, how are you today? We could all say, truthfully, better than I deserve because of God's grace. And you may be tempted to think that you must obey God to keep His approval, but that's not true. Now, it's my job to make sure I say here, does God want you to obey? Certainly He does. God's Word is clear about that. He wants us to obey Him. Does God want you to obey His Word? Yes, He does. But you'll never find in the Scriptures where God is saying, obey me so that I will approve of you. The Lord Jesus Christ has already earned that for you in your place on the cross. For your sin. Not his, he was sinless. But does God want you to obey him? Yes, he does want you to obey his word. That is is to be an outworking, the growth of a person who's already put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and is now living this life with the joy of the Lord as their strength to go out and live for Christ in this world, to obey his word. Do you know why God wants us to obey Him? It's not to earn His approval. He wants us to obey Him so that, I can think of two good reasons. One is so that we bring glory to God in this life. So that we point unbelievers to Jesus. Do you want to point your neighbor or your coworker or your family member to Christ? There's possibly no more powerful witness that you can give than to let them see a life that is being changed by the Word of God because you believe in Jesus Christ. They'll see the evidence. You may have opportunities to share the gospel, speak the truth of the gospel. 
I said there were two reasons God wants you to obey that I can think of, important ones. One is so that you'll be a powerful testimony, God glorifying, that you'll glorify God with the way that you live. The other one is so that you'll know His joy. Do you want to know joy this side of heaven? I think God wants us to be, if we want to use the word happy, then fine. But I'm, I'm talking about biblical joy here because circumstances can kind of make us happy, but nothing can bring us joy like obedience to God. You want, no, you want joy? You want happiness, true joy, this side of heaven? That's why God wants you to obey Him. It's for your good. Hear that today. It's for your good. It's not to earn His approval. You already have it. Live in light of that truth. Stop trying to measure up to God's approval. You already have it. Seek to obey God because you want to please Him, glorify Him, make much of Him in the eyes of the world that's watching you so they might see you changing little by little, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, as long as you have to live this life that God is entrusting to you. Live it as a gift to God for His glory. And may God's Word encourage and challenge us today to be believers in Jesus with our whole heart, that we would believe in Him with our whole heart, that we would give our lives to Him. And this week, when you're tempted to think that because we still struggle with sin, do you still struggle with sin? I know you do because you're still this side of heaven and you still fight temptation as I do. When you and I are tempted this week to think that because we still struggle with sin that we've got to do something to earn God's approval, stop. You're already approved by God. Now He wants you to just live up to what you already are, a saint in Christ Jesus. You don't have to live up to God's approval. You already have it. Remember that through Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross, you have been approved by God because of Christ and that you have the bread of life who gives you life. Who gives you life. And it's not only the life that we're thinking about when you think of eternal life in heaven. Sometimes we think of eternal life and we think, God gives me life and I can't wait to get to heaven to enjoy that eternal life. No, no. You can begin enjoying that eternal life in this day, in this moment, with your eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ, believing in Jesus Christ, looking to God's Word, realizing that God puts His Spirit in you to help you, and knowing that you have the bread of God who gives life.